0: Continuing in our study, the book of Matthew, we're still in chapter 5. We have gone through, um, let's see, we went actually I think through verse 16. We've covered the salt and light, the candle and, and all of that. Um, in Matthew chapter 5 here, Jesus, um, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, begins to kind of transition into some, uh, some various teachings. Um, and it's kind of rapid fire actually through the rest of this chapter here as he covers a number of different subjects and we'll just kind of highlight those as we go through, not really getting into uh, too much depth. But, um, you, know, we, so we, you know, we've gotten down to verse uh, 17. Verses 17 through 20 um, address the law. Um, and it, you know, it's interesting. I just got a text from a friend of mine, um, used to be a member of uh, the church I pastored, um, years ago, and she still sends me texts and questions and stuff when she's doing her Bible study and and uh, things that happen in the church she's at and that sort of thing, just to get my opinion. And we've been friends since we were children, quite honestly. But, um, she was concerned about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit um, and how that compares, of course, to the Old Testament saints uh, because they did not have the blessing of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And I was explaining to her that uh, John 14 describes the Holy Spirit as the comforter, actually gives him that name. Uh, and it, Because its primary function is to give us comfort a comfort that really did not exist with the Old Testament Saints um, now I know they were saved by faith that's the way Abraham was um, redeemed um, and um, of course when Christ died his His blood on the cross covered the sins of all all those who trust in him both or all three both past present and future um, but, you know, as he came, the Bible talks about him coming in the fullness of time, and, you know. He he kind of came right in the middle of things because his, his revelation to us came through the law. Um, and then there was a point in time when he came kind of in the middle of things and shed his blood on the cross and then was um, resurrected on, for us and sits at the right hand of the Father and provides salvation. Um, but he said when he left that he was going to send to us a comforter. See, Jesus came, uh, Emmanuel means God with us. He, he came to be with us to give us that comfort of his presence, a blessing that New Testament saints had that New, Old Testament saints did not. As I started to say, they, they, they trusted him by faith, but they only had faith in the promises that God had made. Um, the picture of the sacrifices that were made in order to drive them through tough times and things to lean upon—they didn't have that indwelling of the Holy Spirit that gave us the kind of comfort that you and I have today in trusting in Christ. Um, you know, we have the promises, and you know, we have uh, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to look forward to, look at, and look back to, and understand that that was the final and complete sacrifice. And so, when He says He came to fulfill the law, Uh, He was giving the final sacrifice so that we now can look at that. But in addition to looking at those things, we as New Testament saints also have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, who kind of gives us that gentle nudge, who speaks to us, you know, sort of like a a conscience that, that, you know, teaches us the things of God and lets us know when we're headed in the right direction or the wrong direction, convicts our heart of our sin, and that's part of his job to convict us and point out our error. Uh, We didn't have to look to the law to, you know, see where it said, you should do this and you should not do this. You know, thou shalt not do this, thou shalt do that. You know, we don't have to do that. Although we do, and it's good teaching and it's still valid, we also have the Holy Spirit who indwells us, who instructs us in that manner. So, you know, the, the law of God as as you look at it, demands righteousness, demands perfection, something we can never attain to. Um, so we we can't obtain God's righteousness by the works that the law demanded. Um, it, it it took the shed blood of Jesus Christ to do that, and so He has now completed that picture. All the all the sacrifices and everything that occurred in the Old Testament were a picture of things to come, which was Christ coming, and and dying for our sins. So. When he came, he then completed that picture. And he, 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 you know, then he says here, well, let's let's just go ahead and read it. This is, think not that I am come, we're in verse 17, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. But And what he's saying here is, all the things that he said, all the promises that he made, all those, those things that the Old Testament saints looked at and the things we look back to, those are all still in place. Uh, none of that has been done away with. It's just now com- the picture that they painted are, is now complete. Whosoever ther- therefore shall break one of the, these least commandments and shall teach men so he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven but whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Um, You know, we have to, um, he's simply saying that, you know, adhering to the law doesn't get you into heaven. It's by faith in Jesus Christ that does that. And you gotta get the whole picture that it all ties together. Uh, you can't separate that. And, and here's something else interesting, if you notice in reading these, these verses. <laughs> in verse uh, 19, he says, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's, it's interesting here, the way this is worded. Um, and, and, and take note of this. You'll see uh, phrases in the Bible, you'll see the kingdom of heaven, and you'll see the kingdom of God. They're two different things. kingdom of God is all things God created. God still sits on the throne. God's still in control. Um, you know this is, this is still the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of heaven consists of those who are going to heaven, um, his children. So he's specifically talking about Christians here, and he's saying, "Look, if if you um, are are teaching um, bad doctrine, when you know when you're you're teaching um, that it's okay to break some of these laws, or that you know you can I'm trying to think of the word I need to say, um, situation ethics kind of a thing that you know there are situations where you may have to bend the rules a little bit." Um, God is saying there that you shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. He's not saying you're going to lose your salvation. He's not, he's not saying, you know, that you, you're falling away to the point that you're no longer his child. He's simply saying there are penalties to be paid. You know, there's a, a ranking, I guess, for a lack of a better term, you'll be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But if you teach correctly, um, then you'll be called great in the kingdom of heaven. God, you'll be favored in God's eyes. And, you know, of course that goes into the uh, rewards, the crowns and so on that the Bible speaks of. There's five of them that um, he talks about us receiving. So, you know, those, those are earned, those, those are earned by works. And that's kind of what he's referring to here. If your works are, um, are, are bad works or they violate God's commands, then um you're not going to achieve those uh, those rewards or those those crowns um so you know that's that's why he's he's kind of reiterating here that the law still applies and all these things need need to be taught and understood by christians and, and you know you can there are a lot of different doctrinal teachings out there and without getting into who's right or who's wrong the fact of the matter is You know, within Christendom, within the kingdom of heaven, there are doctrines that are taught that are incorrect. And, you know, he's so you got to really be careful uh, about who you follow, what you follow. And you really need to find out, you know, what is right and what is wrong, because there's a penalty to be paid. You know, that's that's the application of the law. That that God is referring to it has nothing to do with salvation. It has everything to do with serving God and being recognized as, as uh you know, being a, a valued child of God. We're going to go ahead and um, move into the next section. When you get into verse twenty-one, uh, he, as I kind of mentioned before, he kind of rapid fires through a number. Of different things, I don't think I'm going to get through these in this particular segment. But um, you know, I'm going to go ahead and get a start, and then we'll we'll break and come back in our next segment and uh, finish up hopefully. So in um, Matthew chapter five, uh, verses uh, verse 21. Uh, let's see, we're looking at 21 through. Oh, I don't know, maybe twenty six or so. And it says, You have heard it was said by them of old, thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Um, he, he's beginning to uh, I guess reiterate some of the the, the commands, the the laws that um, you know, that he's given and he's kind of expounding upon them, giving a deeper meaning to them, and so he mentions several. Um <laughs> but I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, thou shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire. He's kind of addressing, uh, well, there's two things actually, I guess, here that he's mentioned. There's, uh, two things is, um, he says, thou, uh, killing or anger, or, uh, that sort of thing. Um, and he's saying it's it's not just um, it's not just a, you know the actual act; it's the desire to act. And then, you know twenty one, he talks about anger. Um, if you know if you even say things in anger, uh, then you you can be in danger of hellfire. And what he's saying is he's he's not saying a Christian does these things losing his salvation. He's saying. If, the, if the, you harbor these things in your heart, there's a very good possibility you, you may not even know Christ as you think you do, because he says, "Thou fool shall, there, um, thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire." He's, and the other thing he's addressing here, of course, is the, is the reality of hell. Um, there is, you know, an eternal lake of fire that, that those who don't know Christ will, be, um, uh, will spend eternity. And and he's saying if if you harbor some of the things that, that the Bible teaches against, and you know that's part of your natural lifestyle, and you don't have any any uh, ill feeling or, or regrets about harboring some of those feelings, then um, it's a good possibility you, you really don't know Christ. Uh, verse twenty three says, "Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there remembers that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there." Thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First, be reconciled to thy brother, and come and offer the gift, or thy gift. Um, you know, you, you know, if you, if you, you know, he's he's talking about anger once again. He's just kind of continuing to dig deeper into it, and, and this is what I'm talking about. It's not just a matter of performing the act of of killing, or you know cursing or anything like that. he's saying if you have these things in your heart, you're guilty and this is something that you really need to uh, address because in this instance he says if you're <coughs> if you're coming to God and when here he says offering a gift, if, if you're just going to God in prayer and you're, you want to talk to God about something he's saying, look you need to iron these things out. you can't come to me with an impure heart and expect me to hear. You need to clean these things up in your life um, and get them out of the way in order for uh, me to listen to what you have to say. You need to come to me as holy as you possibly can. If you have no desire to wash away your sin, then I'm certainly not going to wash it away. Now, if you come to me and you do have a desire to repent of your misgivings, then that's great. But the best way to do that is to show me by going out and trying to do what you can on your part in order to wash those things away or put them behind you, and then come to Christ, seek forgiveness, and seek restitution. I think we're going to go ahead and uh, cut off right here, I guess, in verse uh, 24. We'll pick up on verse 25 in the next uh, session.